Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined, as always, by Colin Drew. We are here to break down the Genesis Invitational uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel PGA Daily Fantasy. They play this event, uh, I think, like every year for the last 25 years at uh, the Riviera Country Club. Is KJ Choi playing? I haven't even checked to see if uh, if course history guy. Uh, I well, I don't I don't think he's in the field, which is uh, you know it's a tough day for the course history bros. How are we how are we doing, Colin? Not too bad, man. Uh, it was a weird week last week. Obviously, DJ pulling out of the event created tons of value in the betting markets for like an hour or so before the books adjusted. And then you had a pretty star-studded leaderboard, at least. Uh, star being a relative word, but um, the best players in the field for the most part were there pretty late on in the weekend and late on Sunday with Daniel Berger pulling off the victories. So um, managed to get some outrights in good because of the DJ withdraw. But other than that, was a lackluster week on the DFS front. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's what are you going to do when Daniel Berger wins going away? I, I, I thought that uh, I had a Tringali ticket that was kind of live. And then had uh, Tom Hoagie was he was there, man. He was there. Pe- Pebble Tom, he was hanging around, but just was was not Did quite enough to get it the done. Event or you added him. I added him on Sunday morning at twenty-two to one. Um, I guess I, I guess I should have just known. Always bet, always bet Tom at Pebble. Uh, give yourself that sweet uh, cash out button. But this week, uh, basically the exact opposite. Last week it was like play whoever you want. Everyone's too cheap. No one's going to be too chalky. This week we have DJ at eleven point three on DraftKings as a massive favorite. JT's playing. Rory's playing. Rama's playing. Bryson's playing. I mean, this is going to be one of the strongest non-majors, non-WGCs of the year, I would think. Yeah, I think the Florida swing will start to see, you know, leading into the players, I think we'll start to see some decent fields and a lot of players probably taking last week off. But yeah, definitely a good one this week. Obviously, DJ, JT, Rory, Ron, Bryson, Xander, like can't go wrong with that as far as like the top six. And then say there's like 20 or so guys that, uh, you know, you consider kind of, great a golfers and the course i think is a you know pretty challenging one and i think compelling from a viewing perspective as well with some of the risk reward choices that these guys face yeah i uh i definitely think that is true so let's go ahead and get into it now starting here at the top dj receiving just an absurd projection uh the highest projected guy by like eight points uh in our stuff right now at dailyroto.com coming with a 23 percent projected ownership in the v1 he's 11.3 justin thomas is 10.7 Roy mcelroy is 10.5 john rom is 10.4 and bryson dechambeau is 10.1 i gotta say uh pretty tasty ownership and cumulative projection there for our guy john rom yeah. I mean, DJ, the th- first thing I noticed was the way that data golf does adjustments for the projections is obviously like world number one. So he's going to be up there anyways, but they're not anti-course history, but they definitely weigh it less heavily than most. And even their model is giving DJ nearly a third of a stroke per round adjustment based on his track record at this event, second best course history, even relative to like his, you know, exceptional baseline. Um, so he's getting one of the biggest boosts for course history, which kind of has him 
being the dominant favorite opposed to a guy that's just a few fantasy points ahead of the next tier. We've got him like six points ahead. So it's definitely a good week for DJ. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just an extremely good week to uh, if you were going to press the lock button on someone, because I think you could argue that even at 23%, if you buy the data golf projection, that it's not efficient ownership can, you know, like for example, if this was NBA, right. And someone was projected this much better. Now, obviously we know that the R squared of projections is going to just be so much better in a, in a more iterative sport like that. But you, I definitely think you could argue that DJ is even under owned at 23%. Yeah. I, I felt like the same thing with Cantley last week and DJ's outright odds are actually comparable now to where Cantley is settled and his price is pretty comparable. Um, I didn't look at all the GPPs, but he was like, Cantley was lower than I expected. I thought he would be a lock to hit 30 and I thought he'd get higher than that maybe in single entry. And he was like mid twenties in single entry. So um, I think there's enough good names and the, you know, the thing this week is like, there's not great field depth. There's definitely good names up top, but I'd say like the 6k range definitely projects a lot worse than the, you know, upper sevens. And that wasn't the case last week. So those are some interesting dynamics that you got to build like battle as you're building lineups. Yeah. Um, all right. So in terms of the other really expensive guys, JT, Rory, Rom, and Bryson, I mean, Bryson seems like the the best. I mean, because this is such a driving, uh, not not driving distance, but driving strokes gained course where, uh, you know, there's no water, not a ton of traps to hit it into like you know, this is, if you're, if you're just gaining crazy strokes with your driver over the course of the event, it's going to, it's going to suit you very well. Yeah. It was one, one of the things the course history kind of database or course fit rather um, showed driving accuracy was one of the factors that mattered least of any of the characteristics and right. around the green play putting mattering a bit more driving distance was kind of neutral. So, you know, Bryson doesn't necessarily gain an extra advantage, obviously gets a huge advantage anyways, but he does um, kind of reap some benefits by not having to worry about spraying the ball quite as much. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I like Ram and Ram and DJ, definitely the, the top two plays, I would say, as far as like a run of form, like Xander is definitely in good form coming into this, but he's pretty popular. Um, and, you know, I, I think he, whether it's lack of closing, he, he just hasn't run good when he's been in contention lately in these events yeah um all right and then you know i guess i guess rom you know as well just sitting there with that really nice ownership projection and i think you could pretty uh easily argue that like golf courses where dj is going to project pretty well rom should project super super well because they play so similarly i mean rom not quite as good of a putter as dj but other than that they do play very similarly yeah, and I think like long term Rom's a solid putter, not quite as good as, but I think that's one of the best things about yeah both of them is that if something's not working for them, they have very well rounded game. So it's not um not quite like Bryson where you know he's he's very dependent on well running insanely good on the greens and bombing the ball. But um if, if like stuff's not working for Bryson, he doesn't necessarily make it up with other factors. And those guys top end always seem like they have multiple facets of their game to fall back on. Yeah. And then in just kind of a general strategy question, how do you feel this week about with, with the depth of the field being so strong and so much of that win equity holding up top, how do you feel about pairing two of these 10 K guys together in the same lineup in like single entry or three max? Um, I, I was playing with that earlier. And I think the hardest thing is, I guess, 
we didn't talk about the field too much, but it is a 120 man field. So a higher percentage of the field will make the cut this week. So it's pretty uncomfortable plugging in like two guys that are seven K or lower. I generally don't like to do that. Generally like to only have one guy down there and there weren't a ton of names down there this week that stood out to me. So that would kind of preclude the two above 10 K. But I think if you can accept the fact that a higher percentage will make the cut, there is obviously some variance anyways. Um, maybe in, in like MME, I probably will let it happen, but in a, a single entry, I probably would try to go a bit more balanced. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's just move down the salary range here a little bit. I got to say at 18%, I mean, you know, I love Xander. That's my dude, but no way am I playing uh, 18% Xander more than 20% Bryson for a $200 difference. Um, do we, is it time to start manually adjusting Brooks Kepka's projection now that we've seen him win a regular, uh, you know, just a, a regular normal PGA tour event? That's always the battle, right? Um, regardless of what, whether or not you think his projection should be adjusted. And I think I'll probably end up a bit higher on it than data golf. Um, it certainly, I don't think should be adjusted to the point where he's priced on, on the fantasy sites. So like, I would still prefer Xander head to head over Brooks taking into account the full range of outcomes. And because of that, I don't expect to end up with a lot of Brooks. I do think he'll be one of these guys in the single digits up here, but um, I'm not particularly interested I think Patrick Cantlay is, you know, a guy you can go back to gained a ton of strokes to Teeter Green again last week. He also has an extremely well-rounded game, and this is one of his preferred courses as well. So um, Cantlay and Xander sandwich kind of around Brooks are my preferences in this range. Yeah. Um, I, I think Cantlay does seem like the best of this range. I am very surprised by this Morikawa projection that we have on the site though. Like, I kind of think of him as that same tier of, I mean, certainly I think that Colin Morikawa is a better golfer than Tony Fee now, like, and, and is more likely to produce high end finishes. Like, do you, do you have a sense of what is feeding into this Morikawa projection to make him, you know, so much worse than Fee now, Hideki, Adam Scott? It's kind of like his game's been all over the place. So he, he does have like high end finishes, um, obviously winning the PGA championship, like winning the workday charity open last year. And I, I think those high end finishes are what kind of stick in people's mind. Obviously a major at his age is incredible, but he also has a bunch of low end finishes mixed in there. So he doesn't have nearly the same level of consistency. And if you compare him to someone like Xander, like he's more was run hot winning and closing out golf tournaments relative to his expectation. Whereas Xander over the past two years has fell short of expectations. So I think Xander's like complete body of work is definitely better the upside has definitely been there for with Morikawa. It's kind of priced in though, as far as the ownership, like people are expecting him to do well. People are, are right. backing him projecting 15 to 20%. And if that holds, then I'd rather just take the better plays up here. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that makes a decent amount of sense. He's probably a guy I would be looking to mess with his projection a little bit. Um, I don't know. Do you, do we, do we want to talk about Jordan golf at all? You know, just making Eagles from 150 out in the fairway and stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I don't buy this at all, but you know, he is one of those guys and he, he our ownership projection right now, obviously will need to be massaged a little bit because no yes. way does Jordan come off two good finishes and be 5% owned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good enough field that maybe he'll, he'll still be low, but I agree with that. Generally speaking, um, yeah, I mean, it's like his results the past two weeks, I don't have think have been 
overly fluky definitely running good with like the whole outs and whatnot but he has game mm-hmm. strokes consistently on approach and around the green both those things matter more this week than they do otherwise and same with putting so that combined with the driving accuracy mattering less like it's it seems like it's a good course for speed but he's still overpriced off of kind of his name value and people piling back on yeah um okay continuing down i don't know what to do with decky that was like when i opened it up i was like oh man like decky's price is going to keep you know it's going to keep falling his ownership's going to keep falling like the sony open we saw decky ball striking but other than that like the four events this year his ball striking has been mediocre to below average and you know all of that despite like the, the opt that will spit a few percent at me like i, I just don't know if i can fully back decky um with some of the names in the balance range i'd almost rather pass over the lower 9k tier than i think pile on decky in a single entry um i'm sure i get a few percent in mme yeah um i i i think that the trouble i'm having with on hideki adam scott i mean definitely bubba watson i think is unplayable but doesn't doesn't hovland at 8.7 just scream like perfect course fit underpriced like good form right now like i i don't i just i don't see how you don't get you know at least 10 percent over the field on hovland i mean he just seems like such a strong play yeah i definitely prefer hovland over neiman kind of right there neck and neck both guys reasonably popular if i could only play one i think hovland would be the choice over neiman yeah um yeah and i think i think neiman i think neiman is okay too i think scheffler looks pretty strong here finally a chance to play will zalatoris not as the chalk you know get him in a strong field get him priced next to some other pga dfs darlings like hovland uh like matthew wolf um even guys like kevin non abraham answer who the the p and and carlos ortiz who data golf always likes i mean zalatoris has done nothing but crush in his professional golf career like he he just does nothing but gain strokes everywhere yeah. And I think my initial way of like trying to build this week is like one guy up top, one guy kind of in that upper 9K range, perhaps one of the guys in this lower 8K range. And those are all the names that were kind of on, on my mind. I think that the struggle, well, the guys you mentioned, I think are fairly, not at all golfers carry risk, but there's no risk that's inherently different about them. But Matthew Wolf, you know, he withdrew with that injury at the farmer's insurance, came back, played the next week of the waste management. So it's hard to like read too much into how severe the injury would be if he was willing to, to tee it up like immediately right. afterwards. But, um, you know, his ball striking hasn't been there. And, and so perhaps there is something there beyond him just like pulling out because he, he played poorly that one event. So that's a guy that I'm going to kind of try to keep tabs on to see what the market thinks. Uh, I think the market right now, We've got him like 10%. I'm like lukewarm at 10%. If he ends up at like 5%, I think that's where I get pretty interested. Seems like Will Z might be that guy this week. That could be 5%. Yeah, Will 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 Z. Uh, he's just a, another guy in the long history of guys to try and get long on for me. You know, before hit, hitting him before the miracle happens, I'm I'm super into him. I also I like Wolf a little bit more than our projections do this week um i like carlos ortiz again you know pretty much every week sergio garcia i mean this is a guy that the projections continue to love and he just does nothing uh but strikes the ball beautifully and does nothing misses every putt yeah ortiz i'm like man I'm, i'm fine with ortiz where he's projected i was extremely surprised how popular he was projecting when i ran the v1s and i even tried to pull it back um 
And I guess part of the reason I was surprised is usually people are not chasing guys who are running hot on putting variants. And Ortiz has definitely been running hot with the putter over the past four rounds, kind of since the tour resumed play to start the year. Uh, like his putters carried him in the last three events he's played. Sony Open through the waste management. So if he's that popular and he's been kind of neutral to barely getting strokes tee to green, then it feels like maybe it's a, a chance to take a pass in a range where like there are plenty of good golfers. So that was one of the guys I was initially thinking would be probably a fade for me this week. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that, I think that that seems fine in single entry. I do think I probably will be t- tempted by him. In yeah. MME, I'd still though. probably try to play like under, you know, 15% is where we have him right now. If that's where he sticks, I think I'd probably try to get under that number just because I think his optimal lineup odds are probably closer to like eight to 10%. Yeah. Um, all right. We got, uh, we got noted, noted uh, favorites here, Matthew Fitzpatrick oh, and yeah. Cameron Tringali. I mean, what about Cameron Tringali? I mean, this guy, like we were like leaving him for dead at like 6,400, not that long ago. And now he is just like totally found the form of his life. I mean, I, I just feels like you, you probably keep writing it. Yeah. I and mean, he was like a TTP play last week too. And I, I'm, I think both of us bet him and we're, you know, reasonably happy with the outcome, at least getting a little sweat, like flirting with the leaderboard in the top page. Um, yep. You obviously don't expect those guys to come through all the time, but yeah, he came through from DFS from a value perspective. It, it's really hard. If I, if I could only choose one, it's still really hard for me to click him over, over Matthew Fitzpatrick, just like to be perfectly right. honest. Um, right. Cause like the Fitzpatrick's like long-term class and his pedigree and everything just seems like a better play, but um data golf's smarter with the projections than I am. So <laughs> that's the flip side of that argument, but I'd still probably click Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, you could argue it's not like this is um, the greatest golf course ever for Fitzpatrick though. Like, you know, it's, it's not a course to have that immaculate short game. And well, control. it is sort of right. Like it's. Yeah. Oh, that's true because driving doesn't dominate everything, yeah. but it is 7,300 yards par yeah. 71. Like you got to get it out there a little bit. Yeah. I would say, I would say like to, obviously you got to put up a low score to win, but like the guys who finish like 10th, it's definitely like a gr- you're grinding for that 10th place finish you're not uh pin hunting for it yeah yeah that's definitely true um all right some of the other guys well Cameron Davis I think is like he's finally popping a little bit as a leverage play his ball striking since the relaunch the past four events he's gained stroke tee to green in every one of them definitely off the tee heavy which is you know a little bit of a concern but I think you're getting an ownership discount this week um with a lot of that ownership going up towards that Matthew Fitzpatrick range that Cameron Tringali range I mean, how do we not discuss Ricky Fowler? I mean, how the mighty have fallen. Ricky Fowler, 7,500. We've talked about him every week, and I've rostered this guy every week. And, it, you know, he, he was ball striking well for a, a little while, and that's gotten worse every single week. And then it just, like, all fell apart last week. I'm I'm sitting here looking at him and I'm going, I would just rather play Corey Connors, right? Like I just, I would just, ra- I would just straight up rather play $7,500 Corey Connors. Um, I think Streelman is definitely in consideration. I think Sam Burns is in consideration here. And then my guy, Lucas List, just continues to gain the strokes, continues to bomb it off the tee. A uh, little late career resurgence here from my guy, Luke List, who's way older uh, than I ever anticipated. Um, is it a Keegan week? No, I don't think it's a Keegan week. Um, it might be like a Sam Burns week, though. So, like, Keegan, that price is tough. Like, 
it's a decent enough field. I feel like it's too strong of a field to pay 7.2 for Keegan. I was more interested in him in the, the 6K range. So I don't know. What, what do you think about Sam Burns as far as popularity? Because it feels like he's a guy that sometimes the field like picks up and decides to like jump on him and decides it's Sam Burns week and other weeks they pass and, you know, go on Matthew Wolf or whatever. But right now I, I feel like Sam Burns would be the buy at 7.4 over the, these other guys. I mean, I would rather play Corey Connors than Sam Burns for a hundred dollars more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Some of the, the, there are actually like a surplus of guys down here that I think that you could theoretically click in single entry. Uh, Wyndham Clark, obviously being chief amongst them, the projections really like Dylan Fratelli. Uh, I probably don't like D- Cam Champ as much as the projections because when things go bad, like a cam champ tilt round is just one. Like if you, if you have a five, a six and you need champ to be your six guy to get in, you're watching every shot, just like praying, just praying. He doesn't spray it because what, it, it can go anywhere. You can spray it now though. No, I mean, that's fine. Um, I don't like typically do stacking with like course fit or correlations like that necessarily, but um, it, it does feel like if it's a Bryson course that, you know, Camp Champ can kind of get there in the same way. Um, obviously, Champ not as good of a player, as good of a putter, but if it does turn into something that's a bit more bomber friendly, I think the nice thing is he is typically the type of golfer that does outscore his finishing position. So a 40th place finish from Champ still might flirt with like 20 top 25 in DK scoring, whereas some of the other grinders down there, you're kind of getting like the inverse effect. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is definitely true. Um, okay. So who are some of the other guys I, down like, here? The, the, you know, things are squirrely when like you, I, I ran like obviously run the optimizer, try to check out what projections are spitting out. And I was getting a boatload of Charles Wurzel and yes, yeah, I was like, man, I'm getting like, I'm getting multiple golfers below seven K. These guys generally have at best like 15% top 20 odds. The guys with, you know, that, like they're like 60% at best to make the cut. So I don't know, like if you put multiple of them, you're only like 36% to get both of them through the cut, which it's not the end of the world in MME, but it's definitely a little bit thin in single entry. So um, I don't know. I, I'm struggling with whether I would like max one these guys for single entry and just play one punt or whether or not I'd play two and let it ride. And I think just playing one punt was my early lean. Yeah. That uh, so I like this is why I like the double punt because I think that you can double punt, play one 8k guy that you like, you know, Wolf, Hovland, whoever, and then you can play Bryson and Rory together. And uh, you know, big shocker that has a big appeal to me, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in that. And then, you know, also like. It's not like I'm playing, you know, Adam Shank. It's like, you know, Wyndham Clark is 7,100. Like, pretty, like, and even guys like Sebastian Munoz, like, these are guys with, like, a little bit more upside. I mean, Patrick Rogers, Harold Varner. Like, there there are, I guess maybe the difference is, is that because of the total strength of the field, like, the $6,500 golfers just seem maybe, like, better than at an event like last week where the $6,500 golfer is, like, the 317th best player in the world. Yeah, that's fair. And like, as you know, for MME this year, I've been playing a bit more on FanDuel and, you know, the dynamics are definitely different, but one of the things is the pricing is a bit softer. So you're still trying to build teams that have like a blend of contrarian elements, but on like DK, you're talking about like maybe a 20% 
like Xander, 20% Colin Morikawa, whereas like on FanDuel, the pivots are actually like the, the chalk values and DK. So you're getting like Morikawa might be like 10% on FanDuel, like Hideki might be like 10% on FanDuel. So it's kind of interesting, just the, the different site dynamics. And so um, I, I definitely think the double punt is easier for MME than it is for a single entry and probably more advisable in that format as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other specific DFS takes for this week? I mean, it does, I guess one thing I think I would say this week is it does seem just so freaking likely that the winner comes from those five expensive guys, like, you know, from, from, um, DJ down to Bryson that like an MME, I might make a min one rule with those guys. Uh, I know, I know you, you are not a big fan of that stuff for MME runs, but I just, I would not want to have that many lineups without those or if you want to include Cantlay, like yeah, the six most say. expensive guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think I'd throw Cantlay in that mix. I don't know who you left out out of DJ Rom, JT, Xander, Bryce and Rory and Cantlay, but um, I would agree. I like that group. You're kind of, you're grabbing like a ton of the win equity and Worst case, you're probably banking a top five and you still have other value players that could capture like the long shot if it does come through. Yeah. Um, all right. And then in terms of betting, I have three bets that I've made already. I, I don't think I'll add any more because I don't think this is a super good event to be betting long shots at. But I bet Bryson at 16. I bet Hovland at 34. And I bet Wolf at 80. And I, I, if I was going to tout one bet, it would, it would definitely be Hovland at 34. I think that's a very generous number for him. Yeah. So what, what is it about the Hovland number? Is it um, just long-term form or the course fit? Well, it's, it's long-term form, right. Of just being like, I, I mean, Hovland is official world golf ranking, like 15 or something like just like a really good guy in general. And I think it's a great course fit. And then also like, I think this is a pretty common analysis by this point, but just placing guys in buckets of like, this is a guy who plays like 80% of Dustin Johnson or like this is, you know, and Hovland gained strokes in all the same places as Rom and DJ. He just is not as good as them, but you know, obviously over four days, that's not a huge sample of golf. Like he can play better than those guys. And I also, I, you know, I think that Hovland is like kind of that unique mix of like, he's young, he's fun. He will probably win a time or two this year on tour. And we're just, you know, we're not going to see thirties again on Hovland after he wins. He'll be, he'll be the new Cantlay. He'll be 18 to one every single week. So I'm getting these numbers while they're out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would say Rom 12 to one, probably my favorite bet of any of the top end guys. And I agree. It seems like it's fairly efficiently priced. Maybe they added some rake to try to make up for, Last week's debacle, it's always more fun to bet when the the 33% win to win guy withdraws and they're less scrambling than it is when when they're priced all efficiently. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, no surprise, the efficient market's not that fun. Uh, in Where, terms who did you of, play last week for one and done? I played Will Z. Because I'm already behind. I've not picked I've not picked a winner yet, so I'm already trying to take guys who I think will be owned by, you know, 5% of the pool or less at this point. Like, and I know that that feels reactionary, but like, it's hard, it's hard to pick winners and it's not going to do me that good. It's not going to do that much good to pick Dustin Johnson at the masters or, or, you know, Brooks Koepka at the PGA or something like that. Like I got to, I feel like I already have to start getting weird. Um, I don't have 
any great thoughts this week? Like, I, I feel like you definitely should be picking one of the top six guys, uh, DJ, JT, Rory, Rom, Bryson, Cantlay. I mean, maybe you throw – and you could throw Xander in there as well. I guess my sense is that very few people will pick Rom this week, but Rom also feels like a guy you want to – you definitely want to save for a major. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably trying to save those top-end guys, I guess – it kind of feels weird to consider Rory as like a top and guy I would burn. Um, Tony Finau is one of the guys I would consider. Well, no, no British open, you know? Yeah. So I think Finau is one of the guys I would consider burning. Um, I used Patrick Cantley last week, so I was happy enough with the third place finish, but he was a pretty big favorite. You know, you're always hoping for the win or if you're not going to get the win, you're hoping a, a random comes through. I think Berger was one of the other most popular choices. So I still feel like I left like kind of gave up some ground in the field. Um, but Tony Finau, I think, would be the pick this week. Okay. I, lo- I like, I mean, I barely even said his name. I, I think I'll probably take Cantley this week in the Mayo one and done. Um, it feels that, good, too. Yeah, that, that feels pretty good, and it does not feel like he will be overly popular. So, everyone, that's the Genesis Invitational. Definitely make sure to head over to dailyroto.com, sign up, use the tools, build your lineups, and we will be back next week as the PGA Tour leaves the West Coast.